while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Thank you for joining me this evening. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me if you want to call in and jump in on the conversation. Got a good show planned ahead for you today. We're going to spend the first uh, couple hours probably on some more local stuff. Um, Probably on some more local stuff. Uh, and then there's uh, I want to talk about later... I mean, if the conversation allows for it, but later I want to talk about the sort of differences in opinion between new Governor Maura Healy and Senate President Karen Spilka on uh, their proposals for free community college for Massachusetts residents. So, and in fact, Governor Healy will be at UMass Dartmouth tomorrow for a climate roundtable. I'm going to be there covering it. The uh, Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll will be there as well. Um, it's a lot. It's. So, sorry, just reading a message. Uh, so, it is. It is. Um. So, anyway, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program this evening. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I want to talk about that a little bit later, but I want to I wanted to spend the first hour talking about something locally because there was a lot that happened um, in the New Bedford City Council. Uh, you know, obviously political rivalries or disagreements or bad blood is not exclusive to New Bedford City Council, Fairhaven. There's been, you know, in the past and maybe even now some some uh, bad blood on the select board. Every select board actually probably has at least a couple of uh, one or two members throughout its throughout its uh, at any point in time that do not get along particularly well, but try to work together. At least that's true in the Fairhaven Select Board, right? Um, but New Bedford City Council has, I guess there's been a lot of discussion whether or not there is a great, is there is political dysfunction based on poor personal and working relationships, not only among the council, but with the mayor's office as well between certain members of the city council and the mayor. Now, we're going to have uh, New Bedford City Councilor Naomi Carney, Councilor at Large. She's chair of the Appointments and Briefings Committee. She's going to be joining me at 8 o'clock. I'm looking forward to speaking with her. I've been trying to line that up for a bit. Obviously, the, with the holidays and all that, schedules, our schedules didn't align. But now uh, we're, we're able to have a conversation. We're going to at 8 o'clock. Of course, you'll remember that 
Councilor at Large Shane Burgo and Ward 6 City Council Ryan Pereira walked out of a meeting uh, in December, um, basically in protest and forced the meeting's adjournment because they lost to uh, they they didn't have after the walkout enough members for a quorum. Burgo had accused Carney. Now, there's to my knowledge, there's no bad blood or animosity between the parties. In fact, uh, Burgo. Pereira and Carney, a couple days after the walkout, were at the Labor Council's annual Christmas party, and they took a picture together, I think, as a, as a, as a demonstration. But the fact of the matter is, Councillor Burgo had accused Councillor Carney of setting up the meeting in a way that would be inconvenient for members of the council so that fewer members of the council would be there, and so that they could block certain appointments by the mayor to important boards and commissions. Councillor Burgo had specifically named the Vogue Tech School Committee uh, as one of those appointments. And uh, in light of the you know new admission standards that are coming down from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, which Mayor Mitchell really led the, the charge on on the state level. And the, and, uh, the licensing board um, with, the, uh, with Ricard Resendi's uh, uh, appointment who, that's been... That's been stuck in committee for a while. Um, Burgo said that she held that meeting at an inconvenient time, so fewer councils could be there, so that this could get, so it could get jammed up, uh, basically. So those two appointments would fail. Now they may fail anyway, but Burgo said they at least deserve, since they've been sitting there for so long, they at least deserve the full consideration of, you know, the body, and they didn't get that. In fact, you know, since he had said that there were two. That there were seven councillors there, basically, to, and you need six to pass anything, and sometimes eight councillors to pass anything. Then two councillors basically could have, could have ran the meeting. So we'll talk to Councillor Carney there, and I'm looking forward to that. I wanted to start the program by now. There's a Ward Three City Council special election that you all know about. We've interviewed a lot of the candidates. There's one le- I have yet to interview. Mr. Robinson, I'm going to work on that. He didn't have a, a frankly, a, you know, I couldn't find a social media page or, or website or anything. If I didn't have a person's contact, if I didn't have their cell phone number, I'd reach out to them on social media or on an email if they had a, if they provided an email address. But so far, I've spoken to. Uh, we'll have we'll have uh, Jake because I've allowed counselors to come on and do an announcement if they wanted to announce their candidacy. Three counselors had done that: uh, Robert Cabral, Robert Bromley, Jake Ventura. They had came they had uh, called in briefly to announce their candidacy, and I'd also allow everybody to come in for a half hour interview with Chris and me. So I've interviewed Jake Ventura is going to be on for his interview on Wednesday, and. Counselor, uh, so I've, I mean, I've spoken to Carmen Amaral most recently, who I thought had a great interview, and you can check out the article I have on her at WBSM.com. I think a very strong candidate who's not only doing all the right things, but has, I think, a very interesting background and a compelling story as someone who immigrated here at a young age and sort of had to, you know, learn the language on her own with her brother and, and take the um, responsibilities of, of sort of being the household's. Um, you know, the, the, the heads of the household at a young age and how that shaped her politics. And it's, it's really interesting. You can check it out uh, on WBSM.com or on the podcast, uh, anywhere podcasts are offered, on the app, on the website, Apple, Spotify, etc. You know where to find it. And that was last week or it's a week after the holidays. 
week after Christmas. It was a week after Christmas. I spoke with her. So, but um, in terms of press releases, there's basically been two counselors that have uh, had more than one press release. And uh, Robert, uh, Robert Cabral's had a few uh, press releases, and we've talked about some of them there, some of them here, and, and uh, Tim's talked about them too. Um, but by and large, counselor, uh, I mean, a uh, uh, council candidate uh, Ventura has had has been very active in, in press releases and getting information out there. And if you, Marcus Farrow at townsquaremedia.com is how you can send me a press release if you're a candidate and you want to, uh, you want me to talk about some of the things that you're proposing and all of that. Uh, that's the best way to get that information to us directly. You can email me, Tim Weisberg, Kate Robinson in the, in the newsroom and uh, get that information to us so that we can uh, report on it, but, or, or discuss it here during our programs. But, Basically, Ventura released one just before I came on air, actually, and it was, frankly, pretty amusing, but I think intentionally so. But it had to do with the fact that council, new council president Linda Morad and New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell don't get along. Don't get along and, frankly, don't like each other from what I or one doesn't like the other. Someone doesn't like somebody here. There's a uh, council Moore had told Tim Weisberg that they had a quote unquote strained relationship. Uh, Mayor Mitchell told WBSM that they haven't spoken in two years. I think February 2021 is the last communication between the mayor and council president Moore directly and council president. And I mean, uh, and the mayor had, you know, throughout the process of ARPA tried to talk to each councilor individually, you know, allocating the $65 million in ARPA funds. She didn't return those calls. They just haven't spoken at all. Now, some people say, and I heard Jack Spillane talking about it earlier on Tim's show, that a lot of that had to do with, or people speculate. And again, I'm not a fly in the wall. I can't, I don't, of their conversations. I don't know exactly what happened between them. But a lot of people say it's because they were opponents in the mayoral election in 2011, and the council board may be carrying some baggage from that. For people who don't know, brief history lesson, Mayor Mitchell was elected in 2011 to be the mayor after Scott Lang uh, decided not to seek another term. He ran against Tony Cabral and Linda Morad and came in first in the, uh, I mean, it was, you know, uh, Mitchell and Cabral and Morad. And then uh, in the, uh, I think the final were the top three, but Mitchell and Cabral ran well ahead of of Councilor Morad, and Mitchell won a fairly close election against uh, State Rep Cabral in the mayoral election. And Mayor Mitchell's been the longest, I think Jack said the longest consistent, uh, longest tenured mayor in terms of consecutive years in the uh, in the city's history. So they haven't um so they haven't spoken in two years and obviously this is a this is an issue because the council president is supposed to be the the liaison in any branch of government the typically the council president is the one having the conversations with uh the mayor on uh on most things and the mayor sort of uses the council president as a liaison for uh to the city council for things that they that the mayor may want to propose and that would be diffi- more difficult for the mayor's office, obviously, if the council president and the mayor aren't speaking. They aren't speaking terms. Now, I've said before, 
it's not all that important if two political elected officials serving in, you know, the same government or, you know, the same legislature that, you know, in general, it's not really important that they like each other. I'm, you know, everybody's had to work with people they don't like throughout their careers and you just do it because you have a job to do. You have a job to do. There's people counting on you to do that job and you do it. What is important is if two members of a legislature or a city council mayor, uh, mayor or a local, uh, a local federal or, you know, a state government is important if they communicate. That's what's important. If they can communicate their ideas to move their uh, their ideas or their policies to help move the move things forward for their constituents. And there is obviously concern. And Council President Ward will be on with Tim on Friday. There's obviously concern that that's not that that's going to happen. You know that that's going to that. There's obviously concern that that may not happen in this case because they haven't spoken in two years. That's a long time for two elected officials in the same governing the same people in a city of a hundred thousand people. You know, there's the mayor and then there's the city council. You know, there's a school committee, too. Those are two kind of you know, city. Uh, the school committee handles their own thing. They don't have a lot of overlap with the council until the budget's uh, proposed. But it's obviously a concern if the council president and the mayor aren't talking. And if they aren't talking, how are they going to work together? And so they're going to have to figure that out. I'm interested to hear council president Morat's comments on it, but. Uh, city city council candidate Ventura had sent out a press release pretty recently, like uh, probably about an hour before I came on. I came on uh, the air actually and said, uh, <laughs> "So Jake Jake Ventura is an attorney. He works at Ropes and Gray in Boston. Does a lot of uh, financial transactional stuff. It's uh, corporate law, right?" And so he said. He would offer he would offer his mediation services to um to to uh to council president Morad and Mayor Mitchell, which I thought was actually pretty funny. But it basically his his quotes on this were the, the recent revelations regarding the relationship between the city council president and the mayor will should be troubling for every citizen of New Bedford. If elected, I will offer my public services to assist in conducting a mediation or as or as many as necessary between the two parties to ensure that we restore the public's confidence that their government will work to move this city forward. If the people of Ward 3 elect me, they can be confident knowing they're sending an adult to the table. <laughs> Sorry. That's funny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so... So, <laughs> I mean, he's calling one of them children, I guess. Uh, I I think, I don't know. It seems like Mayor Mitchell's more willing to come to the table. Uh, he's the one kind of trying to contact her, and she's the one not contacting him. But I, again, I don't know where I don't know where, exa- where exactly after the the mayoral election twelve years ago or whatever. I don't know exactly where, you know. That animosity ramped up because clearly there was some communications communication after in the twelve years after that uh, after that election and um, and uh, in the last two years 
it hasn't happened. So it's a problem. I think people have a right to be concerned. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on. We're going to ask Councilor Carney too about the um, the pay raise, uh, the the controversial pay raise vote that everybody has. You know, we've gotten a lot of calls uh, about it. You know, with the, a lot of app chat messages too. And by the way, if you want to call in, you can at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred or message on the WBSM app chat if you have the app. But basically. The there was a package of pay raises, as you may know, uh, for uh, the Unit C employees, which is a section of non-union employees in the city that all needed a pay raise. There was a study done by the mayor's office, not the mayor's office, but a third party that the mayor's uh, that that you know specializes in municipal government that the mayor had hired, and they had a bunch of so they had all these pay raises proposed, and they were they were. One or two levels above where they were, uh, above where they currently were, because the city was losing a lot of jobs um, because they weren't paying their employees enough, basically. And so, they, the city council, by and large, adopted those pay raises. But what they did was they they adopted those pay raises. But what Council Moore had proposed was. Three separate positions, the community services coordinator, Cynthia Walquist, the uh, licensing director, Nick Nopolis, and the animal control officer, Manny Maciel. She offered, she put forward three amendments to raise their pay between 40 and 50 grand. And by the way, I see your calls in line. We'll get to them in a second. Between 40 and 50 grand. And uh, for a lot of people that that presented a great deal, uh, it was adopted ten to nothing by the council. And for a lot of people that there was a uh, sticker shock with that. And you know, people's tax bills, you know, people's obviously, and you know, their tax bills are going up. Times are a little tough now for a lot of people with inflation and all of that. And so, you know, a lot of people are having difficult time reconciling those specific pay raises not that they didn't deserve a pay raise but did those positions in particular need to be paid 50 percent higher than anybody else in the entire state of massachusetts and a lot of people we've heard over the last few weeks that we've been covering this a lot of people are saying uh, no that's ridiculous and it presents i think uh a troubling and the fact that not a lot of them have gone on the record explaining it i think for a lot of people presents a troubling uh prospect that their tax dollars aren't being spent prudently uh, 508-996-0500 let's go to the phones good evening you're live hello hey what's up yeah hi uh my i guess i can talk to you uh, my name is Teresa Schwanard. okay t-h-o-u-i-n-a-r-d my maiden name was Thomas. My father is the one that owned the Dipper Cafe, and I'm the only living relative today. Oh, cool. Yeah, and you know what? There's a lot to be uh, known about that cafe. Sure. Number one, it was stationed on South 2nd Street. Across the street was a big mill, and behind the mill was a railroad. It bordered Hillman Street, and I don't know where the other. But the thing is, I lived above that cafe for many, many years until... You know, they had to knock it down. Right. And we moved to Aquidneck Street. But I lived in the apartment, up to me, and I had a brother who passed away and, and two sisters. So I'm the only one. I have a lot to tell about the Dipper that people don't know about. But I will tell you this. Um, I'll go quickly. There were stairs on the side of the cafe, 
and you walked up this little stairs to uh, your platform, took a, opened the door on the left towards an apartment. That is where the waitress lived. Her name was Rosie. My father never charged her any rent. To the right was a door. Open up the door, go up many, many flights of stairs. That's where we lived. Oh, cool. Yeah, it, it's quite interesting. As far as the Dipper Cafe is concerned, there was never any trouble at the Dipper Cafe. My father was a very kind man. His name was Shalbino. They called him Shah, Lebanese. My uncle was Peter. They called him Ammu. Both my Lebanese grandparents lived next door. Um, I've heard, you know, I, I haven't been to Dipper Cafe, but I know a lot of people that went there, and they've, they really do enjoy it. Yeah, well, I mean, the Dipper Cafe was a place where it was only a cafe. It was where a lot of people met. People of uh, well-known people used to go there, plus fishermen, mm -hmm. you know, and my uncle worked there as well. And I'll tell you one thing, there was never any trouble at that cafe. Yeah. If, if he thought anybody couldn't drive home, he'd call him a taxi. And the name of the taxi guy was Zach. He knew him very well, and Zach would come and pick that person up. But there's, there's so much to sell. But I just thought, you know, when they said they weren't going to tear it down, and I was happy about that because, you know, I have... A lot, of, a lot of history there. Yeah, a lot to tell about it. Yeah. But I just thought I'd let you know. I very much appreciate that. Thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, that's okay. You yeah. take care. You as well. Bye. 508-996-0500 saying in the program. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Download the WB. Marcus, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. I do like people sharing the, that sort of um, local, uh, some you know, that local history, local community stuff, um, you know, like the, the Dipper Cafe, things like that. I do really enjoy that stuff. Um, I think that's, you know, kind of what makes community radio and local radio great. So, you know, if you have any stories like that, I'm always uh, typically... I'm always open to hear it unless, you know, I'm in the zone and then I might tell you, hey, call back later. But I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. Let's go back to the phones. Good evening. Yes, and how you doing, Marcus? Hey, Big Al, what's up? Oh, not much. Uh, by chance, did you get to check out that game of snookers yet? I did. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it was... Um it was it was interesting for sure. I, I got to the, your guy there, um, the 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 British guy. I watched him for a little bit. Oh, uh, you, are you talking about the man that has the pool table on his head? Uh, um, what's his name? O'Sullivan. Ronnie O'Sullivan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy is incredible, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's very impressive. Oh yeah, believe me. He takes he makes shots that I don't even think of. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that guy is incredible. Yeah, he's pretty he's he's pretty impressive. It's an impressive game. It's very cool. Oh yeah. There's no two ways about it. So what I know what I'm talking about. What else you got for me today, Big Al? Well, hopefully soon I will get to meet you. Yeah. Hey, I'm around. And uh I'll tell you. I met uh Chris I gave him a gentle hug because I know he's fragile. <laughs> no, he can handle it. <laughs> no, I, I was very gentle because I'm a pretty strong guy. Yeah, no, I've heard. Yes. I'm a big, strong guy, but one thing, I was very gentle with Chris. That's that's good. Oh, yeah. That's my bud. Yeah, it's my bud, too. Yeah. He's even more 
Well, he's equal as far as uh, buddies go because uh, he was in the military. In fact, he was in the same unit that my stepmother was in. Oh, I didn't know that. That's pretty interesting. Yep. And, I, and uh, believe it or not, my stepbrother has my last name. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Very that cool. is cool. Yeah. So I just figured I'd run that by you. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, Marcus, yep. keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate and that. I mean that sincerely. I know you do. And uh, someday going to get Ian Abreu to go to that radio station so I can have that little <laughs> exhibition match with him. Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll try to set it up. Yeah, you do that. All right. And uh, give me a shout out, and I'll uh, I'll call in and uh, and say okay. Let's do this. Chris has got the information. All he has to do is call the man. The man will bring the table. Absolutely. And believe me, I give you my word ahead of time. I will not hurt him. <laughs> That's good. Big Al, I appreciate you giving me a call. Thank you. You're more than welcome, sir. Talk to you soon. 508 996 I can get the program. Um, you know, when we're going back to what we were talking about earlier, and then we were talking about the um, the pay raise vote, the sort of strained relationships between uh, apparently new council president Morad and the mayor. And, you know, I, I so we've been, I asked, uh, so I've made it a point in the last Councilor Carney too, um, but I'm just trying to ask everybody what their relationship is like with the uh, the mayor. I remember the mayor saying, in terms of the mayor council working together, he 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 defined their his relationship with the city council as middle of the pack. He said that on the on air with Chris and me a while back when we like first started. Said their relationship is middle of the pack um, in terms of like comparing it to other city mayor city council relationships. In Massachusetts and across the country, he's, you know, he's, um, he, he has, uh, he's very active in the Massachusetts Mayor's Association, the U.S. Conference of Mayors. So he gets an idea of, of, you know, how they work with their council. So he said middle of the pack, which isn't, which isn't bad, which isn't bad, but some interesting comments today. If you didn't get to hear him and I did want to play it again, um, is, is when Brian Gomes had called in and, uh, had talked about his relationship with um, with with Mayor Mitchell, so I'm going to play that uh, now. The background is um, the background is Tim and Tim and Jack Spillane were were on Jack's weekly segment here. Uh, it's a must listen if you're a local political junkie for sure. But uh, every every Monday he's here at eleven uh, to talk, you know, to give his uh, take on the local stories. And he, so he was talking about saying that Brian sides with Linda Morad a lot. And uh, Brian took exception to that. Then he just talked about his, you know, relationship with the mayor uh, more broadly. So I want to play that clip. I'm actually going to play that now for you guys. Explain. Hello. You don't have to live on the edge. It's Brian Gomes calling. Hello, Councilor. How are you? Hi, Brian. Fine. Happy New Year to you. To you as well. Um, Happy New Year, Brian. I'm calling because of uh, the comments that I've just heard from um, Mr. Jack Spillane. Um, I have... um, not gotten along with the man for some time. He knows the reasons why. I think you know the reasons why, Jack. But you sit there and you tell um, the audience this morning that um, 
I, I used to be independent, but now I'm controlled by Linda or whatever the comment was. No one controls Brian Gomes. I'm an independent voice. Linda does not control me. Um, I don't know where you're getting that from. Maybe it's from your sources like Gilly Tapiolis or Carlos Felix, those great sources that you have out there. Um, but uh, I don't... I'm an independent voice on that city council, and I'll continue to be that independent voice. Please do not um, attach me to Linda's wings or in any way that I follow Linda, because I don't follow anybody. I've been there a long time. And you know the reason why I'm not talking to no, the mayor. No, I don't. You know, you no, know, you know may, may, a major part of why I'm not talking to the mayor. And the mayor has done something to me that the mayor is going to have to correct one of these days. I, I do not all. know what that is, You Brian. know, and you're well aware of it, and I've told you to look into it before with a creep hole van and the South Coast thing. I'm not letting that go. I'm going to play that until the day that I get my name cleared. And the mayor had something to do with that, along with Mr. Holvan. And you know the reason why they did what they did. Because I was going to run for mayor. I was going to run for mayor. And this is all going to come out sooner or later. But you, you haven't continued to do your investigative reporting to find out exactly where my case is or what's going on, Jack. You've been on the attack on me for some time. You attacked me back um, a while ago, calling me an angry city councilor on a Sunday editorial page. I'm not an angry city councilor. The story should have read Councilor Gomes asked his legal counsel about extorting money from the marijuana contracts that we had with the city. And the answer was from legal counsel, everybody else does it, we do it. And that's what threw me off. We don't do what everybody else. New Bedford is independent. Anytime you um, make comments like that, Jack. So I just thought that was interesting, him, uh, you know, why he doesn't talk to the mayor. And it doesn't seem like they're, the mayor and Brian will be on a, a good speaking terms anytime soon. Some pretty hefty accusations that he made. Uh, again, i not privy to uh, any of it. Uh, could could very well be true. I just don't know. Um, obviously, uh, he, you know, he sort of, he came forward with that today. One thing you can say about Brian is, um, he's a straight shooter. It's not, you know, he's not going to pull any punches. He called into the mayor actually. And that was a pretty, you know, I think, um, intense discussion as well. And it ended with Councillor Gomes saying, I don't want to talk to you, Mayor Mitchell. So <sighs> we know at least two councillors aren't talking to the mayor. You know, you need six votes to get stuff done. Sometimes you need eight. And so the margins for Mayor Mitchell are, you know, based on what we're, you know, based on the margins for him to get stuff done seem to be, the margin for error seems to be pretty thin. In a lot of cases, stuff that you might need eight votes for, it's, you know, you're already, you're, you might already have two down, right? And so you might already have, only have nine to play with. And so, you know, I think at a certain point, Again, this is true in a lot of elected boards. You, you do have people that don't like each other, and there might be very good reasons. Again, uh, you know, Brian cited reasons he that he believed were were very, um, you know, that he, if they're true, or you know, I think are, are pretty substantial reasons. But um, at a certain point, your constituents really, you know. If, if it's something that works for your constituents and you need to get something done, there needs to be communication. I think that's the, that's the core principle that we're, that you probably need to operate with. You know, when I, again, when I first sat on my elected board here in, uh, in town, when two people didn't like each other very much, 
but they they worked in those in those two hours in the meeting. They figured it out, you know. They figured it out and they worked together, and I think that's what a lot of people expect from from elected officials. So we'll see uh, we'll see how that unfolds. Again, we're going to have Council Carney on at eight o'clock. We're going to talk about that pay raise issue. We're going to talk about the walkout. And uh, well, we can talk to you, too, at 508-996-0500 or take your messages on the WBSM app chat. So I'm going to take a break now. I will be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. America's kids are returning to class in school and at home. And this year, learning is especially tough for kids who already struggle with poverty, emotional trauma, and other barriers. But Communities in Schools is helping by putting caring adults in schools to connect with kids. And now we're reaching beyond school walls, tutoring, mentoring, and counseling students, providing resources for at-home learning, doing whatever it takes to make sure all kids have the opportunity to learn and succeed. For more information, visit communitiesinschools.org. To some people, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much. But that's not necessarily true. By six months, they're combining vowels and consonants. By nine months, they're trying out different kinds of sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on some meaning. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Early screening and intervention can make a lifetime of difference and unlock a world of possibilities. Take the first step at AutismSpeaks.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Take South Coast Tonight with you wherever you go. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or get their podcast on the app at WBSM.com. Now, back to South Coast Tonight. Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus Farrow. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. And Counselor Naomi Carney, she's going to be joining us at 8 o'clock. I actually just got a text from her. She's on her way here. She was at a candidate forum for the candidates in Ward 3. Um, So... Again, you know, I think that I was pretty involved with the last Ward 3 City Council race. I was involved with Hugh Dunn's campaign. A lot of you that are listening know that. Uh, Hugh and I are very good friends. But um, it was a pretty good talent pool. This one is equally as good, I think, uh, in terms of the the quality of candidates. A lot of... um, you got former elected officials, people who have worked in the city before, people who have worked in state government, right? People who work in education, uh, really impressive talent, people who own small businesses or have owned small businesses. So a really impressive talent pool of, of individuals. It's just a matter of, you know, who's, um, who's doing the, uh, the right stuff. Again, the candidates were uh, Sean Oliver, Robert Cabral, Robert Bromley, Carmen Amaral, John Robinson, uh, who'd I miss? Kathy Daner. Spoken with most of them, all but one, basically. And uh, Jake will be on with us at nine, at nine o'clock on Wednesday. So, um, that's uh, 
that's going to be an interesting race, obviously, when the, the, the preliminary election is now like two weeks away. What's today? The 9th? Yeah, it's about two weeks away. The 24th. So two weeks. Two, tomorrow. Two weeks away tomorrow is the preliminary election. It kind of crept up on us again. But I said it was a short. It's a short. It's a short timeline. So you have to, you know, I, I said the candidates, you know, that are going to be successful, the ones that, you know, immediately basically either already know what they're doing or learn how or learn what to do pretty quickly. You know, knock doors, um, you know, knock doors and uh, send direct mail, raise money, all of that. Be active in the media, um, send out press releases, do stuff like that. You know, do the stuff the campaigns do. And uh, we'll see. It's it's still difficult because it's a seven-way race. So a lot of things can break somebody's way. It's it's really anybody's game when you have seven candidates. Especially when you have, you know, especially when at least most of them seem to know what they're doing. Or at least are, you know, running a, like a competent campaign. So you're going to have people with... You know, when, when Dunn ran back in 2017, it was a six-way primary, but he ran a very professional campaign, um, and, you know, it was a good field, but nobody ran the campaign he did. He, he, he So he ran, he ended up getting 53% of the vote in the in a six-way race. So by then, you, you know, everybody pretty much knew it was over at that point, Um but he still didn't take it for granted, kept going hard into the general election. I think got 69% of the vote in the general election. So um, I don't know if that's going to happen here. I don't think I don't see anybody is running strong that far ahead of everybody else uh, in this race. I think everybody's doing a pretty good job. So I think it's going to be fairly close. I think you're going to see a couple people get in with, you know, 20, 15% in the prelim it is what it is that's why i think ranked choice voting we should have passed ranked choice voting that's why maybe new bedford or other municipalities should do ranked choice voting too so that people can better adequately pick pick their uh, elected officials but oh well 508-996-0500 good evening hi marcus uh, what i'm i'm not quite up to date what's what what is councilman or is it former councilman Dunn or is it current councilman Dunn? Did he announce he was uh, what's his what's his future look like right now? But he he, res- he resigned in December, and uh, he because he was working up in Boston and his schedule just wasn't allowing for the commitment. So he he moved up to he lives in Boston now, and he oh, works okay. he works for a big personal injury firm. Oh, okay, he's does he is he. Um, is he pursuing a New Bedford uh, political future going forward? Do you know, or is, or is he just are people looking backwards at his involvement in the in the you know the council? I don't think he is. Uh, oh, okay. Right. Well, uh, I, I mean, I mean, he, not not at this juncture. I mean, he just moved to Boston uh, about a month ago, so and he's working. He's doing really well. He's been posting on social media. They've been doing really well. Just settled like a. One point two oh, yeah, million okay. dollar case. No, good for him. I, I know. I know yeah. he's a um, he's a favorite of both you and and Chris's. I good friend. Yeah, I went to law school with him. So yeah. So yeah, yeah. so no, but the reason why I was, I was asked was I, it seems like his name gets painted above. But well, well, it's because um, 
it's because, you know, the special elections to fill his seat. So, you know, it's to right, succeed his, him on the but council. His, his, his legacy is effectively over. Or at least, yeah, for now. I mean, oh, definitely for now. Definitely for now. Yeah, sure. Okay. So then the second point, real quick, was uh, believe it or not, I can't believe I agree with you on ranked choice voting. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, you know why it makes sense for me? It's a different reason. Ranked choice voting um, allows the the minority an in that they wouldn't normally have. And as long as we make sure that the Republican and Democrat primaries um, also go by ranked choice voting instead of their party 15% uh, minimums, the only person, the only people that can benefit this state, which is about what 85% um, Democrat, yeah, I think the only people that could actually benefit in this state would be Republicans. Yeah. I think it could. It just gives people an opportunity to, like, you know, it gives them the opportunity to have some variety and in, in their in their choices. Yeah, it's just basically you 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 have all the candidates listed. You and next to them are number rankings, and you rank them from one to whatever, one to four, one to seven, whatever. And then whoever gets the most, unless someone gets fifty percent of the first in place the first, votes, in the first round. yeah, yeah it's, then, almost, it's almost like voting for the speaker. Or the, yeah, but, so then it, everyone who doesn't, you know, the the last person just keeps getting knocked off until when we when we. But I mean, we're so used to voting for our candidate and they either win or lose and all of a sudden it's like oh no you you have to have the second and the third or fourth choice and that we we know that the electorate's easily confused i think you would agree on that yeah um, and, and i it it seems anyway it seems to be a way to obfuscate things but it always seems to help the party that's out of power so in this state it, it's worked against republicans in maine it's worked against Republicans in Alaska. Well, uh, you know what? I, I, I disagree work, that it's worked but, against Republicans in Alaska um, be, because you know Murkowski and the uh, the governor that they had a Republican and uh, a Republican and and um, and uh, a governor and, and senator. They just didn't the 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 reason Pelota run the won the Democrat is because the other candidates she was a good candidate and the other candidates sucked. It was Sarah Palin. You know, it was like. No one, no one in Alaska likes her. She, she abandoned them. You know, drill the, baby drill. Yeah, well, <laughs> she, she yeah, right but she, thing. but as, but, but she, she left her gubernatorial two years into her gubernatorial to, to have a TV career. So I don't, people didn't forget that. You know? But hey, I got it.